I dream a moment so filled with love that I'm sure it never could be. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree and getting cursed out, his second master's and getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate and getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTac beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. You're listening to Season 3. Episode 5 A New Orleans Ghost Story I love New Orleans. I love it. I love, 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 love New Orleans. Sometimes I call it New Orleans. Sometimes I call it New Orleans. But I love it. I love everything about it. The culture. The history. The smells. And most importantly, I love the food. When I get to New Orleans, all bets are off. And I eat my way through the town. All the way through the town. From the Garden District to the French Quarter to Marigny to the St. Charles area and the Warehouse District. The first time I ever went was the first Essence Fest after Katrina, probably late to the game. But I went with the wife and the rest of the family and we had a great old time um, for that first, I guess, inaugural or re-inaugural Essence Fest after Katrina. Hurricane Katrina, for those of you who may or may not know what I'm talking about when I said Katrina. Later on, I started going regularly once my child became a student at one of the universities in the area. And then after he stopped being a student there and decided that he was just going to live there for a little while and get into the restaurant business as a waiter, let me tell you, was that ever a cloud with a silver lining? Because that boy was hooking me up, had me eating all kind of stuff I hadn't really ever eaten before, all the discounted, you know, employee rates. Or, you know, if he couldn't, then his boys would, based on whoever, you know, he was working with at a, at a restaurant. I love beignets so much that I bought beignet mix and brought home that Café du Monde super strong hickory coffee that is very difficult for me to stomach because I like my coffee the way many Caribbean and Latino people do, light and sweet. But it was a place that I loved. And it was a place, you know, I love the art. I love the music. I love the energy. When my son was in school there, and after he wasn't in school, as I said before, well, I was finding myself too when I went to visit him upon my divorce. I just would spend time with him in the evenings when he came home from work, and I would I would spend time during the day just walking the streets, learning the neighborhoods, meeting people in the shops, and just being on foot moving around in that area just taught me a lot. One of the things that stuck out to me one time, I was having breakfast at Cafe Beignet with the entire family, and we all left with bags of beignets. My two children my ex and myself. And I remember she saw this old couple walking. They weren't hobbled over, but they were definitely silver foxes. And she said to me, that's going to be us in a few years. And I said, hmm, maybe so. Oddly enough, we were divorced a year later. There were moments where she would speak about the future that just didn't make any sense, considering that it had been on her mind to leave. 
But, you know, I extend grace, right? Just because she wanted to leave or had even planned to leave didn't mean that she actually wanted to leave or intended to leave. Ultimately, that was what happened. It was probably for the best of all parties involved. But that was just something that always stuck out to me. And it continued to stick out to me whenever I walked down that one particular street in New Orleans in the French Quarter. Don't remember the name of it, but it's by the police station next to Cafe Beignet. Because that's where we saw the, co- the couple. So since I had had so much experience with New Orleans, going back and forth as a post-divorcee to hang out with my son and spend time with my son and learn the city. And since New Orleans had become a place where love had been but was no more, it only made sense for me to want to start love, spark love, experience love in the Big Easy. So when my lady friend from California, my internet crush, said, where can we meet to kind of seal the deal on all this talking that we were doing, Well, it only made sense that we would meet in New Orleans. New Orleans wasn't halfway for her by any means. I mean, it was a six-hour drive for me, a 30-minute flight for me. But the appeal, the luster, the lure, the sexiness of New Orleans was something that just could not be refuted. I had the perfect hotel. It was on the corner. It It sat inside of a rotunda, actually, or on the edge of a rotunda. Hotel Modern. We could have a nice boutique room. And with her, I could do what I did by myself. Eat my way through the city, walk the Mississippi River, hold her hand, look into her eyes, and see if she's somebody that's supposed to be that somebody for me. I was excited about it. I looked forward to it. And according to her, so did she. So it was easy for me when I went on to my travel site of choice and booked a package with Hotel Modern for the days that we agreed that we would meet. I would be driving, and she would be flying. She had the dates. It was all set. And she said, cool, I can't wait. And I said, me neither. I cannot wait to have you in my arms. I cannot wait to have my hands on you. I cannot wait to look into your eyes. And I cannot wait to kiss you. And she giggled. And she said, me too. for mentorship. Mentorship is key and mentorship can go across multiple, multiple, multiple disciplines. So I've mentioned over the course of this podcast that I have a tribe and my tribe is made up of several individuals. None of them really peers with the exception of one. The majority of the people that are in my tribe are older individuals, older than me, people that are married, successfully married, or they're divorced. And I won't say successfully divorced, but successfully living life post-divorce. And some are women. I've shared that, but not in too much detail. Here's the detail. One individual has been assigned to call me on my crap. If I'm talking crazy, he shuts me down. One individual is the pragmatist. So if I run ideas past him, let's say job opportunities and so on and so forth, he breaks those things down into dollars and cents. He gives me the nuts and bolts, the reality check that I need, you know, no matter what someone is offering to me, especially since I have 
had entered into freelance work at the time, he was the one that was able to break things down like a logbook, like an accountant into dollars and cents. And if the work that I was being offered was worth my time. So if I got excited about things, him being the pragmatist kind of brought me back down to earth. The women, of course, that were in the tribe helped me out with dealing with things that I don't know anything about, which are the inner workings, the inner thoughts, the inner ideas of women. And sitting at the top of this tribe, the head council member that I've assigned head council, the one who hears everything, prays for me, gives his two cents, calls me, can basically speak on my life however which way he wants, is the individual, the military man who helped me move out of my house when I kind of was like refusing to move out of my house when I got divorced. I wasn't refusing to move out of my house, but I was dissociative. So I was having a very difficult time understanding that I needed to leave where I lived because I no longer lived there anymore. Now this head council member, I'll call him Mike, because that's his name and that's okay. Mike checks in on me to make sure that me being one of his number one students or people that he's helped pull out of the muck, he checks on me, make sure I'm all right. Um, it's, mu it's a mutual kind of check-in, but he checks in on me honestly more than I check in on him. He just wants to hear how everything's going. He'll usually schedule a lunch meetup, which I will pay for, and we go from there. The thing about having a mentor, the thing about having people that are in authority, that when you give people authority over you, not, you know, authority in a negative sense, but, you know, when you give people authority and then you are honest with who you are and where you are and what you're doing and how you're doing it, because that is key, then what typically will happen is your view on a thing, no matter how rosy or positive or whatever, will typically be returned back to you as it truly is and not how you see it. So when I told my mentor, Mike, that I was going to meet up with a woman in New Orleans that I was very excited to meet and so on and so forth, his response, the glee in which I shared this information with him, his response did not match my glee. He seemed genuinely concerned. So what's, what's the issue? You don't know her. Well, I do know her. I knew her from whenever. Okay, you don't know her now. How often do you guys talk? I told him that we talked, you know, a couple times a week. He said, Eric, look, I want the best for you. I know that, you know, there's certain things that you want and you are doing amazing. You are not even close to being the individual you were when, you know, when I met you because you were definitely in love with being in love with the situation that you were in. He said, I don't think I've ever met anyone as committed to being committed as you were. And I kind of smirked because I was like, all right, really? What are you trying to say? He said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to insinuate anything. You were definitely committed to a situation. The situation wasn't serving you, but you were definitely committed to it. And that is to be honored. That is admirable and honorable. He went on to say, all that glitters ain't gold. Do not rush into this thinking that it is something because it may not be this thing. It may not be the thing that you think that it is. Well, what's making you say this? Eric, look, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I come about these things, but she's in California. She says she's not coming to Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. You have a child that's like young. How is it going to work? I mean, we'll make it work. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she will come back to Atlanta. Maybe, you know, I'll visit her. Maybe whatever. Who knows? Okay. And how long has she been divorced? I said, uh, six months, a year or something like that. She says she's good. He said, all right. I'm not saying you shouldn't meet up with her. I'm not even saying you shouldn't have fun. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a good time. Within reason, of course. 
but just don't, don't, don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. And I said, okay. I mean, I appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate it. And I didn't like it. I didn't like how it made me feel. I didn't like how Mike made me feel. I didn't like how I felt, but you know, that's why he was in my life to give me the real deal. Whether I liked it or not, I knew it was coming from a good place. I knew he had my best intentions at heart. So I wasn't going to get caught up in my feelings like I used to when I was when I was living a pre-divorce life, where when I didn't hear something that I liked, I took it personal and felt like the person had something against me or felt that I didn't know what I needed to know and something was wrong with me. That wasn't it at all. The man had my best interest at heart. I wasn't sure what he was pulling from, but I, he wouldn't say anything to me that wasn't in my best interest. And I took that under advisement. I went back to my burrito and we talked about other things. But we didn't talk about other things like a subject change. We just moved on in the conversation. And before the night was over, we gave each other the black man bear hug, which is the handshake arm over the back. And then we wished each other well till the next time. I told him to tell his beautiful wife and lovely daughters I said hello. He said he would. And he said, I want you to have fun, Eric. Just watch your back. Not long after I had dinner with Mike at the Mexican restaurant, would you believe it or not, my IG crush started to act funny. The conversation started to get short. The conversations dwindled into nothing. The text messages dwindled into let me call you back to not getting called back. Then the text messages just stopped getting responded to. Phone calls went unreturned, out of the blue, for no reason at all. I didn't know what to do. She wasn't returning my texts. I knew what was happening, but I didn't understand why. I did share with one of my tribe members. He was the pragmatist, a gentleman by the name of Robert who had me by about 10 years. And his response was simple and painful and hard to digest. But there was a lot of truth to what he said. And he said the following. She found somebody closer, Eric. It's a wrap. But I've been talking to her all this time. And so is someone else. She found somebody closer. And this no longer makes any sense for her to be doing with you. But why wouldn't she tell me that? Psh, who knows why? Doesn't want to deal with it. Doesn't want to hurt your feelings. Doesn't want to have to deal with being responsible for your feelings. Doesn't want to have to deal with your response. Pick a reason. But she's not checking for you. That wasn't his language. But that's essentially what he was saying. Well, what am I supposed to do? Well... If you want to go down to New Orleans and enjoy yourself, I say go ahead and enjoy yourself. If not, stay home. Count your losses, deal with what you got to do, and move on. I don't want to go to New Orleans by myself. I do everything by myself. Everything that I've done, I've done by myself for the last, I don't know how many years. I'm tired of that. Well, I mean, I hear you. But don't let her steal your joy. If you don't want to go, then don't go. I get it. But if you do want to go, then go. If going is independent of her, then go. If it is not, then, you know, lick your wounds and move on. But this, my young friend, is not happening. 
Having learned from my divorce that not listening to others that know more than better than me is a recipe for not very good results. I took my council member slash tribe member's words under heavy advisement, but I didn't like it, and it made me angry, and I didn't understand why she wasn't responding to me. And I'm what people call a tester. I test people. Maybe it's the Libra in me. I give people enough of a reason for me to walk away from them, wash my hands of them, do whatever. But I give people excuse after excuse after excuse until my, my case against them is airtight. The problem with this sometimes is that I do it at my own expense, at the expense of my feelings, at the expense of my mental health, at the expense of what I'm saying is that if you figure something out, if someone is showing you who they are, you don't have to wait until the case against them is airtight, especially if them showing you who they are is being done at your expense. But at this point in my life, at this point in my journey, this is exactly where I was. So I gave it one more try. One more try. And I called her. And I remember I was in my kitchen when I called. And my call got declined. It went straight to voicemail. So before the phone was ringing, before I was leaving messages, before text messages weren't getting responded to, this time my call was sent straight to voicemail, which meant she was at the other end of that call and actively rejected it. At this point, she didn't even want to hear messages. And I wasn't leaving crazy messages like, oh my God, why aren't you calling me? It was more like, hey, so need confirmation as to whether you're coming or not because uh, don't know where I'm picking you up from the airport or anything like that, that kind of stuff. So I kind of smirked and I had to accept the bitter pill that my boy shared with me that she was not checking for me. And I spent a day with that and still, still holding out hope that something possibly, maybe could possibly happen. I sent her one final text message. I'm getting ready to cancel this hotel booking. If something is going on or something is going wrong, please tell me so that I don't ruin or mess up or whatever our weekend. I don't want you to come to New Orleans and not have a place to stay and me not be there because you're not communicating with me. She was communicating with me, all right. She just wasn't communicating with words. Ultimately, no call ever came through. No text message to alert me that all was well, but the trip wasn't happening. All was well, but something. No apology. No explanation. No, you deserve better than this. No, I met someone else and nah, just nothing. Not even a nah, not even a rude nah, not even a screw you dude, not even a you're too far, I don't want to do this, nothing, just nothing. After talking, I'd say an average amount, a good amount, we went from talking every day to not talking at all. So, literally 15 minutes before my booking became permanent, I went onto my travel site. And with much dismay, much dismay, I canceled the reservation. I was driving down Memorial Drive in Atlanta, Georgia when I did this. I did it while I was at an extended red light. The sky was changing colors from day to dusk in my windshield, and I couldn't believe it. I was angry. I was rejected. And more importantly, I was alone. I didn't understand. Like, 
tell me something. Just tell me anything. Just tell me something. Why are you going to leave me hanging after we made plans? Why are you going to leave me hanging after you opened the door? If you didn't want to do anything with me, then don't do anything with me. But just tell me. Why can't you tell me? Don't I matter enough as a human being to deserve an explanation? And this was a major trigger for me. Because I didn't get an explanation as to why I was being divorced. I was left up to my own devices. Or it was explained to me in the middle of arguments. But no real conversations were ever had with me as to why what was happening to us as a married couple was happening. It was an indictment of me at every turn. You did this, you did that, you did this, and I'm out. There was never a speaking with, there was only a talking to. And this was more and more the same. In her silence, her silence said everything. That I didn't matter, that I wasn't worth it, that I didn't even deserve a, an explanation. So the rejection, which would have stung anyway, stung that much more. And I was left with the worst, 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 worst thing in the world to have to deal with. My own imagination as to why things went the way that they went. In my life these days, I am extremely blunt and extremely straightforward. I haven't always been. But the reason that I am is because I remember the pain and the agony of being left to wonder when dealing with another human being. And I think by far it is one of the cruelest things that you can do. Life ain't fair. Never said it was. In the Bible, no one said that you wouldn't be ghosted. But this woman ghosted the hell out of me and left me up to my own devices. And that is something that, no matter how painful it is, I do my best. I'm not perfect, but I do my best to let people know if I'm not interested, then I let them know. And if they don't get the hint, then that's when you have to kind of start distancing yourself because it starts to get scary. Because as they apply pressure, it becomes almost a bullying. And you don't deserve to be bullied. And I don't know if I was bullying this woman and trying to get a response out of her. There's a very strong possibility that I was. Like I wasn't taking the hint, the hint that she wanted. But the hint that I wanted was just the actual freaking words. Tell me what's going on. But she didn't. And I canceled. Nothing ventured. Nothing gained. By that following, by the very next day, 24 hours later, it was as if I had never ventured to accomplish or do anything with this woman at all. So I made it official. I blocked her across all social media. I blocked her on my phone. I removed her from my life as if she had never been there. Now, I wasn't doing this so that when they called me, that when she called me, I wouldn't be there to pick up. I wasn't on that revenge tip. I mean, in a movie world, I would have loved for that to happen. But again, remember, I'm a, at this point in my life, I'm still damaged goods. So I didn't think enough swag in place and all the rest of it, but I didn't think enough that someone would be coming back around to me. And I didn't want to be there when they did come back around because they had their chance. The reason I removed all of the access points for this woman into my life it was for me. It wasn't for her. It wasn't to block her. It was to mitigate my pain. It was to remove myself from the equation. It was to remove her from, I couldn't take her out of my mind. But that didn't mean I had to have access to her. I didn't have to see her social media posts. But when I typed out numbers, or let's say, for example, when I typed out the letter B, that wasn't her name, 
but if I typed out the letter B, her name no longer populated when I was typing out the letter B to text someone or to call someone. I was sad. I was mad. And I was angry. And I guess I lamented to the man upstairs and said, hey, I understand that it might not be my time. I understand that I might not be ready. But does it have to hurt like this? Do I have to feel this? Why can't it just not be for me? And I just go on about my business. Why does it have to hurt? And to this question, I got no answer. The days just continued one after the other after the other. This has been the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. Episode 6 is coming in two weeks. Stay tuned. In the meantime, be amazingly and authentically you.